everybody. This is Stephanie Krupsack with the Peerbent Living Podcast, Things You Should Know. With me today, I have Trisha Carey. Trisha is the Director of Global Business Development, Denim and Americas at Lensing Group. With over 20 years of industry experience and an advocate for innovation and sustainability in the textile and apparel industry, she develops and implements the global business strategy for the denim market segment, including growth, new fiber innovations, and marketing plans. Trisha develops and coordinates denim marketing, including the Carbon Blue blog, Bluecast podcast, and Blue Lens video channel. She connects with cross-functional global and regional teams, including product management, sales, communications, technical service, leading the team for North and Latin America to evolve textile circularity initiatives within denim and the Americas. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Stephanie. I appreciate the invitation. So let's start with how we first met. <laughs> well, how we've met is uh, actually interesting because a lot of people do this, and we met through the internet. And you reached yeah. out to Lensing, and uh, the email wound up um, coming to me. So I'm glad we were able to meet that way. The world is always a little smaller with the internet. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm currently in Germany. And after spending some time here and discovering a lot of these sustainable clothing stores, things like that, I fell in love with Tencel, the fabric. I have several pieces by it, some brands I really like. And I'm like, I have to learn more about this. So I reached out and yeah, here we are. <laughs> it's great. We're really happy that you uh, take notice that Tencel is an ingredient inside your clothes. Definitely. And I probably mispronounced it. So Tencel is a correct pronunciation <laughs> made of wood, actually, a fiber. So really interesting. So Tencel, as you mentioned, comes from trees. Um, and it's even been said that it's uh, how soft a fiber it can be, even though it is coming from, from wood pulp. And we have our headquarters is in Lensing, Austria. We are actually a $2 billion company with seven manufacturing facilities around the world. And what we do is we convert trees into pulp in order to make the fiber. Uh, how we do that is we take the pulp, so think of it like um, heavier cardstock paper, and then we add a solvent to it, so it sort of becomes uh, like a honey-type consistency, which is then extruded through spinnerets. And there I always like to give the visual of a shower head. So you're pushing this honey solvent through the shower head um, and actually with our tensile lyocell, it's produced in a closed loop manufacturing process. So when we talk about circularity within the manufacturing process of tensile lyocell, there's circularity that 99.5% or more of that solvent is actually reused. So after we extrude uh, the fiber, um, we, have, we cut that into different staple lengths and that is what we sell to yarn spinners. So for lensing, we have our brand name is Tencel for our fiber. And this is either for our Lyocell or our Model. And we also make uh, a viscose product, which we brand as Lensing Ecovero Viscose. But most of the work that I'm involved in, especially for the denim market, relates to our Tencel Lyocell. When we talk about innovation, um, innovation happens in so many different ways. It can happen at the fiber level. It can also happen when we have application innovation of mixing together two innovations. So that might happen in uh, the spinning process of it might be blending two fibers together that perhaps aren't commonly blended. 
where we see this now is we see a lot of blends of tensile lysol and hemp coming into the market. So that is another way that we look at innovation. Um, the innovation can also happen in the garment manufacturing process uh, or in the garment finishing. It could happen in the laundry. So we are at the very start as an ingredient fiber, but there's many other components that happen along the way when you then are purchasing your garment at retail. So, um, you know, it's interesting over the years in my history in working with Tencel has been over 20 years. And when I first started working with the fiber, um, it was quite young. It came out in 1992. I started in 98 and no one was talking about sustainability then. That was not a word at all in the vocabulary. We actually didn't even really talk about the origin of Tencel Lyocell then coming from trees. And if people did find out it came from trees, they always questioned, oh, you're cutting down trees and how bad that must be. I think, you know, when it's done responsibly, we can address a lot of those questions. And now it's so much more in depth, all the level of looking at the environmental impacts related to our product. And also the industry as a whole is looking at the social impacts from textiles and apparel. Very interesting. Yeah. And I think that with Tencel coming from a renewable resource is really important, whereas others maybe are not, or there's using oils or things like that, that are maybe not as healthy for the wear as well, too. And that's really interesting because I come from the paper industry, too, a bit where we did glassine papers, things like that for packaging. But it's amazing how soft actually the fibers are. Like I have a scarf that feels like silk almost. Uh, it's really beautiful. It has a sheen to it, some of it too, depending on how they process it. And yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned about the hemp. I, I didn't know that, that it was kind of a combination sometimes. So are some of the gene products with hemp and Tencel or what is that kind of a combination? Exactly, Stephanie. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what we're seeing. And, and um, I'd mentioned to you before that I was in Europe last week at a trade show, a denim trade show. And saw more developments coming from mills where they take the hemp fiber, they actually cottonize it so they can soften the hemp. And then in the spinning process, they're blending tensile lyocell with the hemp. Um, and actually the two fibers complement each other very well. We've also done some developments with some of our mill partners and put together concept capsules. And that's how it works in spreading the ideas through the denim market. Very interesting. And I do know that hemp is a magical plant because it actually puts nutrients back in the soil and it's a really great, great crop. But how does tensile differ from some of the standard textiles that you see in the market today for fast fashion or other kind of industry standards that they use? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I'll address that by looking at the overall fiber market. So there's about 110 million tons of fiber that's produced every year. And that would be anything from polyester, cotton, silk, wool, or our category that we fall in, which is man-made cellulosic fibers. That's where our tensile lyocell and our tensile modal fall. Um, and how our fibers different is, as you mentioned, we're coming from a renewable resource. Uh, so we do fall under, we're considered a natural fiber because we're not uh, like polyester or some of the synthetics that are, you know, really kind of creating this struggle around marine pollution, around end of use, end of life. I think overall as a society, we're 
looking at this more and definitely during the pandemic, it is raised to the surface. A lot of the challenges that we see around our consumption and with fast fashion, you know, just becoming, you know, more and more common and how do we need to change that and look at our consumption in a different way. So for our fibers coming from a botanic origin, coming from trees, a renewable resource, our fibers are biodegradable or compostable and there's certifications that go behind that. Our fibers also have a very strong uh, tenacity and actually that's where the word tencel comes from. The ten is for tenacity and the cell is cellulose. So well, that always kind of it clicks a little bit more on the, <laughs> yeah. the name behind the fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, and our fibers, actually, they're very versatile. They can be used in anything from shoes. Um, maybe you know the Allbirds, their tree runner that uses our tensile lyocell fiber. Um, we do work with uh, denim brands like Levi's. We do also work with other larger global chains uh, like H&M, Uniqlo. We are also in um, activewear that you might find anywhere, Lululemon, um, Nike, underwear products. So the versatility over the past, you know, 25 years, 30 years continues to grow with Tencel Lyocell. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with the impact and the investment that our partners have made in utilizing our fibers. Very interesting. And I'm not sure if you're at liberty to say, but do you have any favorite brands or things you love to wear made of Tencel? <laughs> I do. I'm almost always wearing something in Tencel. Um, <laughs> after all the years, I seem to have a lot in my wardrobe. Um, and I do have uh, a lot of jeans. And every pair of jeans has a wonderful story of either the designer I know um, or a project I was working on. And I was looking, I was cleaning out my closet actually over the weekend and I was like, you know, this one was so great, even though it's 10 years old, because I remember how hard we worked on it. Um, I would say some of my favorite brands right now, I do like boyish jeans. They're out of LA. Um, And again, it's more because I know the designer. I've been watching him grow. Um, He obviously utilizes our products. He's also been to Austria with me, I think. He's really someone to watch for the future um, with, you know, his design ability, but also the the way he can put everything together and tell that story is excellent. In Europe, I love Kings of Indigo. Also, the owner and designer is incredible to work with. Um, So those are some of my favorites. But I also, you know, accumulate a lot of different garments um, throughout the years and and they do tell wonderful stories of the developments that we've been working on. I really like that. I know I haven't discovered too, too many yet, but I would say some that I have found um, here in Constance are Lovejoy and Armed Angels. So I like those two so far. (laughs) Armed Angels is one of our customers. Yes, they do a lot with Tencel and they've done um, some very interesting denim campaigns. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't tried a pair of jeans yet, but I'll have to do that really soon. So I know you mentioned that hemp is one of the things on the front line with the gene industry. Are there, is there anything else you kind of see in the horizon or? Yeah, I mean, the denim industry, and I think maybe people don't realize this as consumers, but there's so much that happens within the supply chain and the developments. There's a lot of investment that happens from spinning, weaving, uh, garment making straight through to finishing. 
and denim is quite a unique product because it's it's really the indigo aspect is what makes us this you know perennial favorite that you can do so much with it it's a blank canvas that you can create all kinds of designs and it can go anywhere from streetwear to more formal wear um, and denim definitely you know it really represents the mood of the times so i think we'll see a lot of evolution happening the other area in denim that I see is circularity becoming more and more important. And circularity can be defined in many different ways. We see resale um, being more accessible to people. Vintage denim has always been hip. So even before resale was popular, vintage denim. But I, I see that stores will be mixing more of resale with new products. Um, interesting of, of how that can be merchandised and, and take away that stigma of anything being old. But in denim, it's the old pieces that are almost even better, and they are often what's copied in new pieces. Um, so the resale aspect for circularity, we also see more redesign. So there's brands like Redone who will combine old Levi's jeans and put together new fabrics and mix it all up. Um, we also see circularity happening with textile to textile circularity. For us at Lensing, we introduced a product in 2017 called Refibra Technology. And here we are actually taking cotton waste and upcycling that to make a new fiber. And this is used in denim applications. Uh, Levi's runs it, boyish denim that I mentioned, also Kings of Indigo. So there's a variety of different denim brands that are using our refiber technology, which is more circularity that you can bring in. And then also you see programs and genes that are uh, denim brands who are looking at biodegradability. So what is happening at that end of use? If it's not going to be resold, what, what happens to it? Um, and that is where we look at even our products, our Tencellize, Cellora, Refibra, or Modell, um, actually are compostable or biodegradable, so they go back to nature. Um, so circularity can, can happen in many ways, but I do see this as something very important for the denim industry. Yeah, I think it's yeah very important for the clothing industry altogether because, yeah, like we live in a society where there's all these new fashions coming out, new styles, uh, maybe going back to the old. But I think, yeah, it is important to buy old, go to a vintage shop, and it's really great to see, as you mentioned, that companies are starting to have like buyback programs where you can even shop online and buy a used coat for half the price, which makes it more accessible, especially, you know, name brands, things like that. I think it's super important to see. And then, you know, organizations like Cradle to Cradle, where they're helping promote brands that you buy it, but then when you're done with it, you can compost it, you know, and throw it in your garden on top of your vegetables. It's really interesting how that can all work. And... I think being in the fashion industry that you want to always look great and have the latest style that you can feel less guilty of doing that by purchasing from a brand such as Tencel where you have these products that are renewable. So I just think it makes it a little more yeah, accessible for everybody and you don't feel this pressure or guilt of buying something that, you know, is made with, you know, bad chemicals or things like that too. That it comes from nature yes. and you can go back to it. Exactly. It's all how we can, you know, still feel that we are um, making sure that we're leaving the lowest footprint possible. Mm -hmm. um, 
but it all goes back to the consumption levels to start with. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, social media is definitely given this sense that, oh, you have to have a new outfit all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've kind of been feeding that machine and feeding the fast fashion fury. So I, I do see this shift that's happened in the consumer mindset from the pandemic where perhaps we weren't buying as many clothes. <laughs> we realized that we were only working with a certain amount within our closet. And um, now we need to take responsibility for what we've done. I definitely agree with that. So kind of going back to your personal background, is there a specific experience you had in your career that kind of led you on the path you're on today? Yes. Well, my interest in textiles started when I was young. Um, I went to a Catholic school, always had to wear a uniform, and I was always seeking out, you know, I was like always dreaming in the fashion magazines, right? Those were the days when you'd get the Vogue magazine in um, Mm -hmm. August that would be so thick and always dreamed of having um, this elaborate wardrobe. But as the youngest of three girls, I would have these terrible hand-me-downs. And my mother, <laughs> who believed in sustainability, then um, would say, nope, there's nothing wrong with it. You have to wear it. And then I picked up doing a sewing. I took some sewing lessons. And that actually got me very interested in textiles. I liked the art, the craft. I liked that every fabric was different and how it can create something new. Um, And it's sort of like when you have that roll of fabric and you have a pattern, you have the idea in mind what you can create out of it. Mm -hmm. And um, so that led me in my next step, which was to go to college for um, fashion, buying and merchandising. And I ended up at FIT in New York City and had wonderful resources and experiences here in New York. Very cool. I love that. I know. um, Yeah, I would say something similar to where I didn't have any sisters, but I always like shop secondhand as a kid. And my mom's a very good sewer. So I would actually draw a dress and she would make it for me for like a school dance or something like that from fabric maybe she had or so it's really fun. So I kind of I like that. It's fun to kind of have your own vision and use the machine to make something out of it. And the end product can be so fun. (laughs) Yes. Definitely. Well, you were lucky that your mom had that skill too. Definitely. Yeah. Me, not so much. I I like to design it, but (laughs) I don't always have the patience for sewing. (laughs) So I applaud you for that. (laughs) So another question. So what color was your school uniform? It was a cranberry color and then it became navy when you went to high school. Yes. So, (laughs) and then it all came down to having the best socks, right? All had to do with having, (laughs) we were, it was, that's how you expressed yourself was through your socks. Okay. <laughs> Ours was navy too. So we had to wear navy bottoms. So pants, short skirt, and then our tops could be white or light blue. Yes. The white top. Did take the whole decision making out of it. So I appreciate the uniform side. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then, and then I don't know if you had this too, you had to pay to, we had dress down day. And so that's always my relation back to denim growing up, if I wore denim, I had to pay money to wear denim. Mm-hmm. And so our school would have, you would pay a dollar and it would be a donation for a charity. Mm-hmm. So that was the only time that I really was wearing denim at school. It was dressed down day. Well, for a good cause. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Very fun. So what would you like people to take away and learn from your efforts in your role at Lensing Group? Yeah, I would like people to know that, 
you know, it's these small steps that we can take, that it's the progress that we make, not always thinking of the perfection of where it ultimately needs to be. And in the textile and apparel industry, I mean, these are large industries. Our apparel industry, it's a $2.4 trillion industry with employing 60 to 75 million people. That's huge. There's 100 billion garments that are produced every year, 20% of which go unused. So I think we need to look at how we are tackling all of this um, and making these small steps. I would say the, the other aspect that I would want people to learn about is I see it as it's about the people that you're connecting with. It's not really about companies. And over the past several years, especially, I've been finding the right people that are like-minded, that also want to be on the same path together. Um, and this is really a very strong people business. The textile and apparel industry has been around for ages, and it is this heritage and craft. And yes, there's so much automation that's involved and digitalization that's happening now, but it still is about people connecting. Definitely. I would agree with that. How does your work directly impact the environment, would you say? Yeah. So because we're at the very beginning of the whole process of making a garment, um, we actually, I kind of say it's like a multiplier effect. So when we come out with a new product or innovation, like our refiber technology, then we're working with spinners and weavers and working with brands in order to get this out into the market. And so we're able to make an impact at every step. And the other aspect for lensing is that we also support communication at the consumer level. So we can address some of the concerns that citizens have now um, of looking at circularity in the market. So our impact is really very far reaching because our fibers then are continue through the whole supply chain. And that's where it's so important for us to have collaborations and partners in order to carry this message through. What would be some additional tips for consumers, how they could impact this industry in a positive way? Maybe if by reading labels or what things could we do to help impact this as well? Definitely by reading labels. I think consumers, you're going to start to see more that you can use QR codes to understand exactly every step of how your garment was produced. There's technology. There's several companies that are working on this now. We're working with a company called Textile Genesis that traces back, and it will make it very easy for the consumer to have this kind of information. So know what you're buying, know who you're buying it from, and also be responsible when you're discarding it. When you no longer want it, how can you keep that garment in circulation? Um, is there someone you can give it to? Is there a charity? You know, how can you responsibly recycle textiles? There's more um, textile recycling that's happening within cities. I know in New York City, there's an extensive textile recycling. So there's bins you can put it in. Don't just throw it in the garbage. Um, right now, only 15% of all textiles are being recycled. Let's see what we can do to keep textiles out of landfill. I think that's definitely a step as consumers, as citizens, that we need to look at being more responsible. Yeah, most definitely. And also how fabrics like Tencel do compost. What would be a comparison? Maybe this is too specific, but for example, if you have a synthetic polyester versus a Tencel piece of clothing, what would the compa compost rate be? We did a time lapse and we compared a, a polyester. You're, you're on the right track, Stephanie. 
we um, we had a polyester polo sh- golf shirt, mm-hmm. and we had a cotton intensel blend. So cotton also coming from nature, so it does compost. Um, it takes about twelve to fourteen weeks for the tensile cotton blend to compost, and with the polyester, it's just it's not composting at all. So, you know that that's where you have to make those decisions as a consumer of what what footprint am I leaving behind? And maybe a step further, what is the health benefits of tensile versus synthetic? Yeah. I mean, the, the health benefits, I think, you know, you feel that softness next to your skin. We also have done studies to show that, you know, moisture does travel through the fiber so it can wick away from the body. There's been studies uh, with patients with eczema and actually my, my son had eczema growing up and he still to this day will only sleep on tensile sheets. Um, because it is about the fact that you're, you're keeping that moisture away from your skin. So it's, it's not allowing for um, bacteria growth to happen at a higher rate. So we can't say that there's no bacteria growth, but it's a lower rate of bacteria growth. So I think there also are some health benefits to it. And you'll find Tencel in other products too. It might be in non-wovens under our brand name called Viocell. So it's our lyocell fiber, um, but in non-woven. So facial wipes or the um, facial masks that you have, the paper ones, you might find that those are also using our fibers. So there's a lot of different end uses to make your life better using tensile lyocell. Very great. Oh, I didn't know some of those. Very good tips. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I was really surprised too by how warm the fabric is actually. Like it is breathable, but it's very, very warm. I have a sweater made from it. So it's really nice. Great. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely hooked on it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so what does preserving the environment mean to you? It's kind of a open-ended question, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's sort of a philosophical one in a way because have we really preserved the environment or have we already gone too far? You know, I start to wonder this. And last week we just had this terrible storm in New York City. You know, you start to wonder, uh, you know, everything that's happening, the floods that you've seen in Europe, mm-hmm. all of this, the the wildfires that have happened throughout Europe, U.S. You know, have we already gone too far? And we need to think of ways as individuals that we don't have to impact the environment so much. Um, and it's even the small steps that we have to take. And I know it might be little things of, you know, how you dispose of your garbage or your water usage or even how much oil you use for your car. But we, we do need to consider all of this as ways that we can lower our impact on the environment. And even um, for myself, I've been so excited about these sustainable fibers. I'm like, oh, I want my wardrobe to be all of that. But it's like, wait, that's not really sustainable either because you might have your favorite jeans or favorite shirt from 10, 15 years ago. It still looks great. Why not? It's a classic fit cut. So keep it. So I think that that's important to remember too, that it's, you don't need everything new that's coming out. I think when you need something to be, make a conscious decision to purchase either a used vintage piece or something made in a circular fashion is much better Exactly. Totally agree with you. It's buy less, buy better um, Mm -hmm. is so important. And yeah, overall, yeah, you can't replace everything in your wardrobe. um, 
but whether it's rental programs that might be of interest or special occasions, or as you said, if it's that great garment, that investment piece, if only we knew every time we bought something, how long, how much we would like it, right? Yes, they're by two, really like it. <laughs> yeah. I've often thought if they could redefine the value of clothing, like if the price could be based off of cost per use, would you spend more? If you knew that that navy blue jacket, you could wear it a hundred times. And if it cost you, you know, $5 each time you wore it, would you invest then in that $500 jacket rather than saying, well, that might be too much. And I really just want to get the $75 jacket that I'm only going to wear three times. But you don't, you don't think of that necessarily when you're buying it. So if the price tag could almost have how many times you would wear it and predicting the future. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, I love that's a great idea. That could be a future app. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes so much sense because, yeah, if it is a better quality, maybe there'd be a system where or an algorithm, it could rate the, the fabric based on its historical data. That would be really interesting. Maybe we're coming up on something here. <laughs> yeah. Algorithm is an app. All right. <laughs> maybe next year we'll have a second episode about our new app. No. <laughs> okay. Good. Another rule of thumb I like to do if I love a piece I see when I'm shopping, I don't buy it right away. If I'm still thinking about it a few days later, then I probably have to have it, you know? <laughs> I've done that many times too. Um, yes. Or you put it in the shopping cart online and then you close it. Then they send you that coupon and you're going to get the discount. But yes, it's good to walk away. That's a great tip too with the coupons, most definitely. <laughs> So talking about, again, how we could help the environment, uh, preserve it a little bit, make conscious decisions, what is one eco or sustainable ritual that you do maybe daily or weekly that you'd encourage listeners to try? I always use reusable bottles, water bottles and cups. I almost never buy any plastic bottles at all. So that's my way. I always feel very dedicated to that. Um, and try to be an example for my children to also do that and not buy those cases of water all the time. That's perfect. I like that one. One thing, uh, Nita, I've seen here, maybe you saw when you were in Munich last week, is that they have a company called ReCup. So a lot of cafes and restaurants have these bowls or cups that you pay deposit for a euro, a couple euro, and then you use it. And if you bring it back, you get that deposit back and they wash it for you and so I thought that's kind of a neat system. Yeah, that's excellent. I didn't see that last week. I noticed last week there were a lot more um, glass bottles than plastic bottles, which, again, support more on the recycling side. Yeah, not as many PET bottles, more of the glass. Yeah, and seeing the different bins for recycling for the colored glass versus just one like you see oftentimes in the U.S. So I know it varies per city, but that's another thing I've noticed here as well too. So for another fun question, what is your personal mantra or maybe even a theme song that kind of gets you into a good state of mind or redirects your mindset to a good place throughout the day? I would say I often think of just do it. I mean, I know it's a Nike slogan, but sometimes when you, um, when you're stuck on something, it's like, let's just get it started. Let's just do it. Um, and, and whether that's something, a task at work or something at home, um, I often think of that in my mind. I often think of that too with, with our own podcast. We were talking about that before. Um, it's just when we started our podcast, I'm like, let's just do it. Let's try it and see uh, how it is. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. <laughs> 
So are there any books or podcasts that you recommend for listeners? Well, I, I, now that we've met, I am enjoying your podcast and the, the various guests that you've had on from eating and mindfulness to, I, I love tea. So that was great. Your interview with Jennifer, uh, some of the others, and I'm a big podcast listener. I always have it on like in the background or when I'm commuting, I do like Jay Shetty. I think his podcast is excellent. Um, he has some amazing guests or even just, uh, his own, uh, in interviews that he has are excellent. And his book of Think Like a Monk was very good. I also like how they built this because I like that entrepreneurial side. And also Skim This, which is a weekly program that highlights different um, news information. Very cool. I'll have to check those out. I know one that I like is The Genius Life. Uh, always has kind of health and wellness topics on it. So <laughs> well, that's good. I'll check that yeah. one out. Well, thank you so much for all the information. I really appreciate your time today. Very interesting. So thanks again so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I'm glad we've connected. I really like what you're doing um, and love the spirit of which you gather people together. Thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you.